Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Thank you. Gracias. Awesome. You're doing well? Stay standing. Stay standing for just a moment. Just a moment. The one PMers. I hear you're the most spiritual bunch. Because you've been up since 5 a.m. seeking the face of the Lord. Getting your soul ready to come to church at one. Worship God with everything. Receive a word from heaven. Absolutely amazing. Who knew that church at 1 p.m. would work? It's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Why are people so good looking in Miami? Must be the sun. Some of us who really serve the Lord, we serve in the third world. Um, Then you've got others who serve in Miami. Go to South Beach every weekend. And I was at South Beach yesterday and I was like, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'm I'm, I'm willing and ready to move. And uh, what an absolutely beautiful place. I absolutely love this city. Love this city. And obviously my heart towards this city because of the amount of Latinos that live here. And my heart's all about Latinos. And um, por si no lo sabían, yo hablo español. Um, Y si quieren, les predico en español, pero no me dejan por ahí. How many of you didn't understand a word I just said? Lift your hand. Father, forgive them. I'm just getting you ready for heaven. It's the language spoken in heaven, but... We absolutely love this house. And if I can say it without sounding condescending in any way, uh, but over the last two, two and a half years that we've been able to come alongside as friends, Lucy and I with Diana and Alex. And because this house is part of a small group of churches, about 25 globally that are part of Hillsong family. One of my roles is to, at a global level in our church, is to connect with Hillsong family pastors and and to build friendship and relationship. And I can say, we're just so proud of your pastors. Um, And I know everyone in our world is to see what God has done in them and then through them, particularly over the last two years or so. It's just absolutely amazing. How many of you love your pastors? They're brilliant. And I, I know I can't wait. I can't wait to have them with us in Buenos Aires next year speaking into the life of our church. I'm going to get Alex preaching in Spanish. And so I'm going to have subtitles on the screen just in case nobody understands, but it's going to be awesome. Did you just come from Cuba? Very cool. You're the man. I was in Little Havana last night and I absolutely loved it. It's fantastic. Hey, you guys can be seated. Can we thank the team for an awesome job? You guys are awesome. I want to... For, for those of you, you know, last time I was here, I think it was 18 months ago, two years ago, I was here with Lucy on that occasion. On this occasion, I've got a good friend of mine, Mariano, who's traveling with me. And Mariano's the man. It's his first time in the United States. And uh, he doesn't speak too much English. So everybody say, hola, Mariano. He's a part of our team in Buenos Aires. He actually got saved on opening Sunday for Hillsong Buenos Aires. And so I love that. I love that we, with my wife, we carried a dream for 10 years. And on the day that dream was given birth, he's one of the first fruits 
of that dream. He, he gave his life to Jesus and he's having an awesome time here. He's an incredible barber hairdresser. Like he travels, no joke, all over the continent teaching, doing conferences of up to two, 3,000 hairdressers. Like who knew hairdressers had conferences? <laughs> and uh, he said to me yesterday, we're at South Beach. Like if you want to send me to Miami, I'm, I'm ready. And I'm like, dude, you're going to suffer for the Lord with me in Argentina, which I consider is the greatest place on the planet. Because wherever God plants you, that's the best place on the planet. Amen. But I want to introduce you to my family, if that's okay. It's the greatest congregation I get to lead and pastor. And they're going to put a photo up on the screen of my beautiful family. Over, over, I know there's a lot of teenagers in this service. I swear, you know, I'm watching you. My daughter, 17 years of age. She's my eldest daughter, Celeste. She's absolutely amazing. She's strong. She's a leader. Absolutely amazing. Then my middle daughter, Eliana, over on the right, she's 15. She sings like an angel. She's absolutely an incredible singer. And then Eliana, 15, Celeste, 17, two teenage girls under the same roof. Please pray for me. Um, and, I've, and I've been prophesying this since they were born. They're going to be the first Pentecostal nuns. And uh, since we're starting Hillsong Church all over Latin America, I'm all about starting the first Hillsong convent as well. So any dads in the place, you want to send your daughters to our convent? I'm, I'm receiving applications this weekend. And, and then you've got my son. My son, Sebastian, he's awesome. Ten years old, he needs Jesus. And... Um, He's absolutely brilliant. He just finished his football, his soccer season. This morning during the first service, I was getting updates in worship. He scored 24 goals this season, got player of the season for his team, takes after his mum. He's absolutely amazing. And then in the middle is my mamacita, uh, Lucy, who after salvation is the greatest gift God has given me. And she's just about to get on stage and preach in our second service in our church in Sao Paulo. But this year, I forgot to do this in the last service. This year, we, we've had a new addition to the family. New addition. And this addition has changed our life. He's absolutely awesome. I want you to meet Dunamis, our boxer. Uh, he's, 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 he's awesome. He turns one next Saturday. I'm going to bake him a cake. And uh, Dunamis, Dunamis, his name is from Acts 1.8. When, when Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. The word for power in the original Greek is the word dunamis, which means explosive power. And I'll tell you what, he's explosive. Be careful what you name things because they tend to become what you speak over them. And, and there's a lesson in faith for you right there. But Dunamis, he definitely needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit and uh, absolutely love him. And uh, dogs are from God, cats are from hell. And um, you know that. I'm, I'm only kidding. Any cat lovers, if you want to send an email of complaint, just send it to alex.sagot at calvary.com. That'll be awesome. Nah, cats are awesome. Cats are awesome when they swing on fans. Fantastic. No, I love, I'm, only, I'm only joking, please. I love animals. I love all animals. Love all animals. I want us to go to John chapter 18 before you stone me. John chapter 18. John chapter 18. Uh, this passage of Scripture is quite interesting because Jesus 
Jesus has already been arrested at this stage. Um, the Jewish people want to see him condemned. Uh, firstly, they wanted him condemned to prison. And it was after this that they asked him to ask the authorities to crucify him. And because he was arrested and everyone is complaining about who Jesus says he is and the things he declared, he's taken to Pontius Pilate. Pilate is a Roman citizen. He's a Roman soldier. He's, he's the head of part of the Roman army. And he was a man in authority who could decide the fate of people. And Jesus is questioned by Pontius Pilate and Pilate asks him on two occasions, are you the king of the Jews? Are you who the people are saying you are? Are you a king? And this is where I want to enter into this passage of Scripture in John chapter 18, verse 37. Jesus responds to Pilate and he says, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause, I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, he's my voice. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that in the next few moments that you would speak to our hearts and that you would stir something on the inside of us, and that you would challenge our mindsets. Father, I pray that in this service today, people would have a greater revelation of their purpose here on earth. Father, do what only you can do. And as always, I praise you and I honor you for the wonderful privilege it is to speak your word to your amazing people. I thank you, Father, for what's about to unfold in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, Amen. Amen. It is said that the two most important days of your life, are the day you were born and then the day you discover why. The day you were born and then the day you discover why. I will never forget when I had a revelation of why I was born. It took me almost 23 years to have that revelation. When I came to faith after my third drug overdose in the bathroom of a nightclub in Sydney, Australia, and I cried out to God and He interrupted my life. It was a divine interruption. For so long, I'd try to leave my addictions behind. I'd try to change my way of living. But in my own strength, I could never accomplish it. And during my third drug overdose in that nightclub, I cried out to God and He spoke into my heart. I cried out to Him because someone three months earlier had told me about this man who had saved her and delivered her from her heroin addiction. And my friend said to me, if He did it for me, He can do it for you. And I inquired, I was like, who is this man? And she said to me, His name is Jesus. In the bathroom of that nightclub, when I cried out to Him, I heard a voice in my heart speak to me and that moment changed my life. Later that day, it was a Sunday morning when that happened. That Sunday night, I went to church with my mom who had become a Christian one month earlier. And it was her seventh day of her seven-day fast for her addict son. Mom, never stop praying for your children. Your prayers are powerful and your prayers matter. And I went to church that night and when the preacher gave the altar call at the end of the service, I didn't put my hand up. I literally ran to the front, surrendered my heart to Jesus and everything changed. 
And it was over a process of time where I began to discover my God-given purpose and why God placed me on this earth. Jesus was asked, are you a king? Are you who everyone is saying you are? Are you a king? And I love his response. He says, you say rightly that I'm a king. I know who I am. For this cause I was born. For this cause I've come into the earth. I've come into the world. Are you able to answer people the same way Jesus answered Pilate? Are you able to answer with that same level of certainty? I know who I am and I know why I'm here. I know who I am and I know why I'm here. We were singing earlier that we're children of God, that we've been chosen, that we've been called by God. Do we just sing it as words on a screen or does it flow out of a revelation and a conviction of our heart that we know who we are? And it doesn't matter what comes against us. It doesn't matter what rises up in front of us. No one or nothing can rob us of the truth that we are children of God. We know who we are and we know why we're here. Jesus made an incredible declaration. You say rightly that I'm a king and for this cause I was born. What's the cause? It's the cause of the kingdom. He says, I've come into the world because of the kingdom. Not only did Jesus know why He had come into the world, but in Matthew 16, His disciples start talking with Him and Jesus asked them a very important question that we all have to come to a point in our lives that we answer. Jesus is talking to His disciples and He says, boys, who, who, what's the word on the street? What are people saying about me? Who, does, who do people say that I am? The disciples respond and say, wow, so... Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. Others say you're, you're John the Baptist. And now Jesus doesn't care about the popular opinion. He makes the question personal. And He says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say? Because it's not about what everybody else is saying about Jesus. It's about what we know to be true about Him. He says, who do you say that I am? And Simon says to him, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds and said, oh, wow, Simon, you are blessed for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then He says to Simon, now I tell you, you are Peter. Because when you get a revelation of who He is, He will show you who you truly are. So I tell you, you are Peter. And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and some denominations have been built on this Scripture thinking that the rock is Peter, but the rock is actually the revelation of who Jesus is. He says, on this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, Jesus came to preach the kingdom and to build the church. Over a hundred times in the New Testament, you're going to see Jesus mention the kingdom. He came to preach the kingdom and He came to build the church. And our lives must be about what Jesus' life was about. To preach the kingdom and to build the church. We must always be about what Jesus said He was about. See friend, a fulfilled life is lived when you live for something that is greater than yourself. He said, for this cause I was born. He said, I will build 
my church. There's only one thing Jesus is building, and it's His church. And we can either align our lives with what He's building, or we can build our own thing and understand that we're not aligning our lives with that which Jesus said He was building. Jesus never said to me, Chris, I'm going to build your ministry. He never said to me, I'm going to, I'm going to build your platform. All He ever said that He would build is His church. And I've got to make sure everything about my life aligns with building with that which He's building. Understanding that if we build His house, He will build our house because He's a faithful God. Can somebody say Amen? For this cause I was born, I've titled this message, His cause, our purpose. His cause, our purpose. An author by the name of Norman Vincent said, the more you lose yourself in something that is bigger than yourself, the more energy you will have to live with. The more you lose yourself. What are you losing yourself in? What are you, what are you giving your life for? A fulfilled life is lived out of a revelation of purpose. And this is what I want you to understand today as you're building church in this amazing city as you carry the weight of a vision that wants to impact the city and impact the nation, we each have our own purpose. But our purpose is all attached to the same cause. We each have our own purpose, but our purpose are attached to the same cause. Your purpose may be to build a business, but your business must be about the cause of the kingdom. Your purpose may be to be a school teacher. Thank God for all the teachers in the house. But yeah, God bless you. Thank you for what you do. But that must be attached to the cause of the kingdom. Oh, right now, your purpose may be looking after your kids and that's all you do. May you bring up your kids in kingdom ways and understand that your family is all about the cause of the kingdom. We all have our own purpose, but our purpose is all attached to the same cause because His cause is our purpose. Can somebody say amen? And that's why in Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom, cause. Everything else will be added to you. You'll never come second by putting God first. We need to understand that not everyone, we don't, and I'm going to say something that sometimes can be a little bit shocking for people, at least in my context in Latin America, because everyone wants to serve God within the four walls of the church. We don't need more pastors in the church. We can't reduce our service to within the four walls or to a microphone and a stage or a guitar or any other instrument. We all have our own purpose. If you believe God's called you to be a sports person or to be in entertainment, you need to understand, fulfill your purpose, but attach it to the cause. Because everything about our lives is about the kingdom of God. And when you seek first the kingdom, everything else will fall into place. When we each recognize that our purpose is based around the same cause, we come together in taking the cause to the ends of the earth. We come together. That's why Acts, I mentioned it earlier regarding my dog. 
Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power and you shall be witnesses to me, Jesus said, in Jerusalem, in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit comes so that we can be witnesses. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit didn't come so that we could be judges. It's not our place as the church to judge the world. It's our place as the church to be a witness to the world for Jesus. And when we understand that we all have our own purpose, but it's attached to the same cause, we come together in taking the cause to the ends of the earth. That's why I love seeing the expansion that's in the heart of this house for the, this coming new year, another campus to keep pushing the boundaries, to keep reaching more people. Why? Because this church is about a cause. And that cause is the purpose of every single person that makes up this amazing family. See, your purpose has always been and always will be about the cause of King Jesus. And when you live with that revelation, you're going to understand a few things. And I want to just share with you three simple thoughts about living for the cause and what that will produce in your life. Number one, the cause, you need to understand this. The cause will always outweigh the cost. The cause will always outweigh the cost. Anything worth building has a cost to it. You want to build a healthy marriage? There's a cost to it. You've got to deny self. You've got to stop being selfish. You want to build a healthy family? There's a cost to it. You want to build a business? There's a cost to it. You want to build a career? There's a cost to it. You want to build a church? There's a cost to it. But when you understand your purpose is attached to a greater cause, you're going to live with a revelation of this truth that the cause will always outweigh the cost. Will always outweigh the cost. In Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33, Jesus talks to us about counting the cost. The Bible says large, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, it's a strong word, father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. It's crazy how it doesn't mention mother-in-law. Yes, even your own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. Strong. Is Jesus really saying you need to hate your mother? You need to hate your father? It doesn't fall into line with everything else that Scripture says. What Jesus is actually saying, you know what? I must be first in your life. Your love for me must be greater than your love for anyone else. That's the cost of being my disciple. Goes on and says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this, peep, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish it. You can read the other verses later, but there's a cost in extending the cause of the kingdom. But when you understand that your purpose is all about that cause, you will live knowing that the cause will always outweigh the cost. Jesus says you need to take up the cross and follow Him daily. What was the cross for Jesus? The cross was His purpose. It's why He came. 
says we need to take up a cross and follow Him. Does that mean we need to literally pick up a cross on a daily basis to follow Him and be His disciple? No, it's talking about living a life of purpose and following Him wholeheartedly, understanding that our purpose is about the cause of the kingdom. The cause will always outweigh the cost. There's a cost to building the church. There's a cost to advancing the kingdom. There's a cost to making a difference. You're not on this planet by accident. You're not here just to take up space. You're not here just to waste time. God has given you a divine purpose which is attached to a greater cause and it's to extend the kingdom and to make a difference. And there's a cost to it. But the cost will always be outweighed by the cause. Three simple things about cause and cost. When all you do is focus on the cost, you will never give faith a chance. When all you do is focus on the cost. No, I can't can't do that. I I can't get involved in church. I need to be there early, need to leave late. I need to give of my time. There's a cost to it. But when all you do is focus on the cost, you're never going to give your faith a chance to get involved and see God doing you what you never thought possible, use you in a way you never dreamed of. People, listen to this, people who operate at the cost level will never understand the decisions that are made by those who live at the cause level. People who only operate at the cost level will never understand the decisions of those who operate at the cause level. I know earlier this year when we announced that in Latin America, we're going to start our third church in a third nation in three years. Getting ready to plant in Monterrey, Mexico. People who were very close to me, who are very close to me in our own family. They didn't say to us, Chris, Lucy, you guys are crazy. What are you doing? Literally, we had family members say to us, you guys are stupid. You guys live tired already in two nations and with everything else you do, away from your kids, away from one another. Why would you want to do a third nation? When is enough enough? Thank God no one asked that to Jesus. When is enough enough? Because people who don't know God in our world, all they see is the cost, the physical cost, the family cost, the financial cost. And people who only live at the cost level will never understand the decisions lived by those, the decisions made by those who live at the cause level. There's a cost to what we do, building the church, expanding the kingdom. But when you have a revelation of His cause being your purpose, you will understand that the the cost does not compare to the cause. See, God wants to use you, friend but you will always limit him when all you do is focus on the cost. You will always limit him. Let's focus on his cause and understand that our life is about building the church and expanding the kingdom. The cause will always outweigh the cost. Secondly, what I wanna share with you today before we go and all have lunch at Pastor Alex's house Number two is that the cause requires you to live a life beyond yourself, to live a selfless life. The cause will always require you to live a life that goes beyond yourself, 
to live a selfless life where your focus isn't inward, your focus is always outward. It's not about what God can do for you. It's about what God can do through you to reach others. I love Proverbs 11 verses 24 and 25 in the message translation. It says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. I love that it says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Generosity takes you to live a life that's beyond yourself. And I'm not talking about finance only. I'm talking about every area. Are you generous with your words? Are you generous with your smile? Are you, are you generous with your welcome, with your embrace? Are you generous with your encouragement? Because the Bible says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Let me put it to you this way. The size of your life will be determined by the level of your generosity. Are you going to live a big life because you're generous? Or are you going to live a small life because you're stingy? The cause requires you to live beyond yourself. That's why the day we get saved, life stops being about us and it begins to be about others because He already reached us. Now through us, He wants to reach others. And when you understand that His cause is your purpose, you're going to live a life that's beyond yourself. You're not going to see the church as a Christian social club where you come and say, Lord, bless me. Lord, strengthen me. Lord, provide for me. Lord, heal me. Lord, me, 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 me. No, you're going to come to church and you're going to say, God, bless me so I can be a blessing to others. God, strengthen me so I can strengthen others. God, provide for me so I can provide for others. Why? Because there's a city to reach. There's a nation to shake. There's a generation to impact. And when you understand that His cause is your purpose, the cause will have you live a life that goes beyond yourself. Your focus is on others, where you live generously with every area of your life. Were you generous to God today with your worship? You just gave it all. Obviously generous with our resource. Because we understand that our purpose is aligned with His cause. And if you're a business person, Maybe the reason God's blessing your business is for you to finance vision and the kingdom. Understand that it's all about the cause of King Jesus. We've got to live beyond ourselves. Knowing that we are the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth and we're all called to be agents of change. You can make a difference in the life of someone in your world. You don't need to have much. You just need to have a willing heart. It's not about what we don't have. It's about what we do have. We've all got an encouraging word to give. We've all got a smile that we can give, a hug that we can give. We can all do something when we understand that the cause requires us to live beyond ourselves. And thirdly, as we draw this to a close, not only... Does the cause always outweigh the cost or the cause require you to live beyond yourself a selfless life? 
And number three, I love this. The cause will take your purpose and use it to inspire purpose in others. That the cause will take your purpose and use it to inspire purpose in others. Jesus in Matthew 25. It's the stories found in verses 31 to 40. You can read it later at home. Write it down in your notes if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, write it down anyway. Um, but Jesus speaking, and He says, Hey, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in jail, you, you visited me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And the disciples start questioning Him, but when did we see you in prison? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we clothe you? And Jesus said, you know what? When you do it to the least of these, you're doing it to me. I love that this first Sunday of December, as churches across the globe are focused on Christmas and the birth of our Savior, that in this house, your pastors are talking about the toy drive and wanting to make a difference for those who will go without this Christmas season. Asking you to bring toys and asking you to be generous, to live beyond yourself, which is an amazing thing. We do the same in Argentina. We do it in Brazil for kids' hospitals as well and a whole bunch of stuff. You know what I love? We, we, we have in, in our church in Buenos Aires, about three blocks from where we do church, is a massive train station that's filled with homeless people. Hundreds of homeless people that stay at that train station. And in between every one of our five services, we send the team when it's winter with soup, with blankets, with scarves, with clothing, in summer with, with something to refresh them. And it's amazing that a lot of these people now, we, we don't do them to, we don't send our team to get them to church because it's without a second intention. It's without, it's without, we're going to help you if you come. No, we just do it because we can. But the amazing thing is that a lot of these people are asking, where are you people from? And they've been coming to church and getting saved. And it's amazing when you talk to some of these people who, who live on the street. And you talk to them and their eyes are wide open because they're having a revelation of the grace of God and they're tangibly seeing the love of God through people who live for a cause and attach their purpose to that cause. And it's amazing to see their eyes open up and to understand that I might be in this situation, but you know what? I now want to get involved in this team that helps the people that live on the streets that I live in. Because the cause will take your purpose and inspire purpose in others. Because you live for something greater than yourself. Every single one of us was born into this world with a God-given purpose. But we need to understand that that purpose is attached to a cause. That's why there's power in the local church. That's why I believe the local church is the hope of the world because it's a whole bunch of purposed people living for a greater cause, wanting to make a difference, wanting to be the answer, wanting to love the unlovable, reach the unreachable, wanting to extend the love of God beyond the four walls of the house. Why? Because we're living in an urgent hour and the church is the answer. We need a whole bunch of people in the church who have a revelation
that His cause is our purpose. A whole bunch of people who understand, you know what, there's a cost to it, but it's worth paying the price. It's worth paying the price. It's worth saying no to some stuff and saying yes to the right stuff because the cause outweighs the cost. It's worth living beyond myself where I stop looking at everything I need and I ask God to use me to be a blessing to others. It's worth inspiring purpose in others. Why? Because I was lost. I was dead in my sin. I had no purpose. But His grace reached me. His grace forgave me. His grace set me free and transformed me. And now I want to inspire purpose in those who are living without a purpose. That's the beauty of the church. And the church ain't this building. It's each and every one of you. God wants you to live on purpose and for a purpose and understand that it's attached to the cause of the kingdom. Come on, I challenge you. In 2019, we're three and a half weeks away from a brand new year. That Calvary here in Miami would extend the cause of the kingdom like never before because it's filled with a bunch of amazing faith-filled people who live on purpose and attach that purpose to the cause of the kingdom. Can somebody say amen? Beginning of last year, I'm going to finish with this. Beginning of last year, I was in Colombia. Saw a Colombian jersey there. I was getting ready to fly back to Buenos Aires. I'd just been speaking and I'd been away for about eight days. And in those eight days, I preached close to 30 times. It's missing my wife, missing my kids. It was at the end of a really huge season where I was in and out of home. I'm on the plane and I'm just tired. You know when, have you ever been that exhausted that your exhaustion takes you to the point of tears? Because you just don't know how to respond. I'm sitting on the plane and literally I just feel tears run down my cheeks and I'm like, why am I crying? I'm not even watching a sad movie. I'm just thinking about, man, I've been away so much. And, and I said one of those stupid things every now and then we all say to God. I said, God, you see everything that I do for you. Why am I feeling this way? Like who says to God, you see everything I do for you? What an idiot. And immediately, I just felt the Holy Spirit in my mind take me to an image of 17 years ago when I was back in Sydney, Australia and in Bible college. And one of my jobs at night, I was the night receptionist in our church. It's how I paid my way through the first and second year of college and that required me to lock up the building. Have you ever seen images of our worship albums or whatever, or on social media, our Hills campus in Sydney, Australia, it's our main campus where everything started. Seats about 4,000 people and it was my job to lock up that building. And sometimes it could be midnight or one in the morning because we had events on. And I would have to go door by door, lock in the building and I would walk in between all the seats and I would pray for the seats. Lord, whoever sits in this seat this week and change their lives, speak to them. 
was the only one in the building. And, and there were times where I would get on the stage and I would preach to the empty auditorium. Tell you what, those were some of my best sermons. No one ever questioned my theology. And I would preach to the empty arena, 4,000 seats, and I would preach my heart out. The Holy Spirit brought back this memory where I'm kneeling on the stage in our conventions and I'm saying, God, one day use me. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. God, use me. The Holy Spirit brings back that back to mind just after I said to God, don't you see what I do for you? We need to be careful about the prayers we pray because God tends to answer them. Because sometimes we say, God, use me. And then we say, God, you're using me. And when I remembered that image, I felt the Holy Spirit challenge me and give me a backhander. Backhander. And say to me, what you do for Him does not compare to what Jesus did for you. And that moment changed my life. I was like, God, my purpose is to extend your kingdom and I will pay the price. I will live tired. I will sacrifice what I have to sacrifice because you sacrificed it all to save me and to redeem me and to forgive me. And you need to know your life has an ordained God-given purpose and it's to extend the cause of the kingdom and shine His light and be an agent of change and to make a difference in this city and beyond. Come on, let's just take a moment to worship Him today. Jesus said, I am who you say I am and for this I came into the world. You know that we are not what our past says we are. We are not what our situation says we are. We are not even what our parents say we are. We are who God says we are. We are children of God. When we come to that moment in our lives where we say yes to Him, and we place our faith in Him and we say yes to the cross and what He accomplished on that cross for each and every one of us. We have an identity shift. The past is wiped away. We step into a brand new beginning and the majority of us in this room have made that decision. But there are others of us in this room today that need to make that decision. It's the first step of faith where you say yes to Jesus where you begin a relationship with Him because He's not a God of religion, He's a God of relationship. Just like Simon, when he said, you are the Messiah, Jesus said to him, now I tell you, Simon, your name is Peter. 
He changed His identity because when we discover who He is, He shows us who we are. How identity is found in Christ. Are you walking in relationship with Him? Because if you're not, I'd love to pray for you today. doesn't matter who you are, where you've been or what you've done. God loves you and God is for you. He accepts you just the way you are. But He loves you far too much to leave you that way because He has a better tomorrow prepared for your life. He has a plan and a purpose ordained for your life. But it all begins, it's all discovered by making a choice, saying yes to Jesus, asking Him to come into your life, to forgive you of your sin, to give you a brand new start where you begin a relationship with Him. If you're not walking in relationship with Him, I'd love to pray for you today. Or maybe you're here and at some point, you said yes to Jesus, but because of situation or circumstance, you turned your back on Him. You walked away from Him. You need to know, friends, you may have turned your back on Him, but He never turned His back on you. And it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, there's nothing or no one that can separate you from His love. If you're backsliding in your heart, if you disconnected, why don't you come back to Him today with every eye closed and with every head bowed? If you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, dozens of people have done this today so far in the previous services. And I'd love for you to join them if you need to say yes to Him for the first time or if you need to come back to Him because you're backsliding, you, you disconnected. This moment is your moment. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you'd say, Chris, you know what? Include me in this prayer. I want this relationship or I need to come back because I disconnected. If that's you where you're standing, nobody's looking around. Would you just raise your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome, God bless you. Hands going up, thank you. Awesome, absolutely amazing. Praise God for each and every one of you. You can put your hands down and you can all look this way. For those of you who responded, I'm just gonna guide you in a simple but powerful prayer. And I want you to repeat these words out aloud after me, but I don't want you to feel uncomfortable speaking out aloud in what you think is in the midst of a crowd. Firstly, you need to understand church is not a crowd, it's family. And every person around you wants to support you in this decision that you're making today. So everyone's gonna say these words along with those of you who raised your hand. So together, let's pray out aloud by saying these words, Dear Jesus, Today I open up my heart and surrender ownership of my life to You. I thank You for Your love. I thank You for Your mercy. And I thank You for Your grace. Forgive me of all my sin. Wipe away my past and give me a brand new start. I receive You today as my Lord and as my Saviour. Guide me in living a life that honours you in Jesus' Name. And everybody said together, come on, can we congratulate these amazing people? There were literally people all over the place with their hands in the air. To those of you who raised your hands, Pastor Alex will speak to you in just a moment because this amazing house wants to gift you something. But can we all raise our hands to heaven? Just for a moment, let me pray for you as we go out of this place today, Father. I pray, Lord God, that we would leave with an understanding that Your cause is our purpose, that it's worth paying the price to extend the Kingdom, to build a church that 
We can live lives that are beyond ourselves that make a difference. Father, I pray that on a continual basis, that the cause would take the purpose in our lives and inspire purpose in others. Father God, may a generation be impacted, may a, be, may a city be reached because of the people of this house who choose to live beyond themselves. I speak your blessing and your protection over every person in this place. And I thank you, Father, like always, that you do take us from faith to faith, from strength to strength, and from glory to glory. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said together,